All right, guys, go to your Bibles, grab your Bibles, go to James chapter 2. We'll start with verses 14. We're going to read 14 through 17. Amen. Here's some amens when you get there. Y'all got to get, I mean, listen, when the associate pastor is the only one up here saying it, you know, which y'all ought to be faster than Bojo anyway. <laughs> Amen. What, get it, what, excuse me, what good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but does not have works? Can such faith save him? If a brother or sister is without clothes and lacks daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, stay warm, and be well fed, but you don't give them what the body needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith, if it doesn't have works, is dead by itself. Let us pray. Father, I praise you. I praise you in every moment. I just thank you for the joy for the last two days at this church. The, the trunk or treat that was yesterday, the kids running around, families having such a great time. And then, Father, I, I thank you for our visitors that have come down from long distances. And, uh, Father, I, I thank you for today, the people that have come up for, to me today, just confirmation that I needed um, for things that have happened throughout the week. Opportunities get to fellowship with great couples yesterday. God, I just I praise you for that. I thank you each and every day that you continue to put people around myself, my family, and the leaders of this church that continue to lift us up. We need that, and we thank you for it. And Father, today I, I have a message that you have prepared for me to give. And I asked you this early this morning. I'm going to ask the same thing of you today in this moment. Father, right now I need you to anoint me from the top of my head to the bottom of my feet. And I need you to take all fear, doubt, worry, lack of confidence. Father, I need you to take that away from me right now in this moment, God. I need to give the message that you have prepared for me to give. And I need you to replace all of those things with your courage and your confidence and your boldness. God, do not let me waver from this message. I ask these things, Father, in your name. Help us to love, laugh, and forgive. Amen. Okay. Uh, last week in James chapter 2, the beginning of it, we discussed favoritism and prejudice. We talked about how, unfortunately, this still takes place in the church today. But we also discussed our role in stopping that from happening. We also talked about mercy and how it triumphs over judgment. And also the difference between worldly mercy and godly mercy. There's a big difference there. Today in James chapter 2, we'll be discussing verses 14 through 26, which is the section over faith and works. A lot of y'all that have studied this, most people that read these verses, they, they get a little confused. They think that James is contradicting the teachings of Paul in the New Testament, which is we are saved by faith and not by works. I tell you, I'm going to read what I just read earlier. We're going to read it again. I want to read 14 through 17 again. So you've got your Bibles open. Follow along with me here, guys. What good is it, my brothers and sisters? First of all, okay, we learned this last week. When he says brothers and sisters, who's he talking to? The church, okay. What good is it, my church, if someone claims to have faith 
but does not have works. Can such faith save him? If a brother or sister is without clothes and lacks daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, stay warm, be well fed, but you don't give them what they need, what good is it? In the same way, faith, if it doesn't have works, is dead by itself. Okay, here's what I need you guys to grasp, okay? This is so important. Paul is trying to tell us, when Paul is teaching in the New Testament, he's trying to teach us that uh, works will not produce faith. Okay? But what James is trying to teach us, your faith needs to produce the works. Do y'all follow me there? I don't want any confusion whatsoever. So I'm going to say it one more time. Paul says that works will not get you to faith. That's what Paul says. James is saying faith should produce works. In other words, when you receive faith, you receive a heart transplant and a heart change. Do y'all follow me here? Okay, very good. I tried to break that down, and I'm going to break it down even more than that. Uh, James is not contradicting Paul's teachings. He's actually adding to them. I, I want to make this point crystal clear to everybody in this room. True faith and true faith alone will save you. It's the only thing that will save you. But what is faith? What are they talking about? Like, what is this faith, right? I want to show you guys some pictures, okay? I'm going to show you this first picture. Go ahead, Nick. Okay, this is a tree. Can we all agree on that? This is a tree. What kind of tree is this? This is not a trick question. What kind of tree is this? Did somebody say brown? <laughs> what is on this tree? Oranges. Thank you. It's an orange tree, okay? We can tell because it has oranges on it. Come on, congregation. What is... Next picture, next picture. Okay, what kind of tree is this? Let's see if y'all can get this one. Lemon tree. So... Next tree. Annabelle told me, uh, Annabelle told me this yesterday. I showed her this picture. She said, Dad, that's, that's a rose bush. That is an apple tree. Okay, that's an apple tree. All right, last picture. What kind of tree is that? There, y'all hush so I can preach. <laughs> that tree is an apple tree. Just hadn't produced any apples. How did y'all know what the first th three trees, the first three pictures, how did you know what those were? Let me ask y'all another question. If a tree was dead, would it produce any fruit? So we can agree upon, y'all realized that the three trees, what they were, was by the fruit that it produced, right? And we can also agree upon that a dead tree is not going to have any fruit, right? Y'all are like, where are you going? This is so elementary. 
Guys, what I'm trying to show you is that faith, the faith that you have on the inside should produce the fruit on the outside that shows what kind of tree that you are. In other words, people should be able to look at the fruit that you bear and say, that's a Christian warrior. Y'all see why I showed you the trees now? Okay, good. I didn't want y'all to think like I was just plucking pictures of trees, you know, out of nowhere. The verses 14 through 26 in James chapter 2, it's teaching the church the relationship between faith and works. The word works dominates these verses, guys. In fact, it's mentioned 12 times in 13 verses. These that we're going to read today, again, you can count them as you go, depending on your translation, obviously. But what I'm reading today is the Christian Standard Bible, and it is 12 times in 13 verses. As we read these verses today, I need you to understand what we are calling fruit, James is calling works. Feel me? Okay. So what we're going to do, actually, I want to go back. I want to read those three verses one more time. Except this time what we're going to do is I'm going to replace have works with produce fruit. Okay? What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but does not produce fruit? Can such faith save him? If a brother or sister is without clothes, lacks daily food, one of them says to them, go in peace, stay warm, and be well fed, but you don't give them what they need, what good is it? In the same way, faith, if it does not produce fruit, is dead itself. Now, y'all understanding where James is going here? I hope so. Some of y'all are still looking at me kind of funny. So, I'm going to break it down one more time. How many of y'all know the song, if you're happy and you know it, stomp your feet? You know, or, or, or you know, you, you shout and clap your hands and all that kind of mess, right? Like, okay, I'm breaking this down as elementary as I can, okay? Do, do, y'all, do, do y'all know that song? Show of hands, who knows that song? Okay, some of you aren't raising your hands. I need you to go back to the three- and five-year-old division. <laughs> Let Miss Sharon teach you the song. Because here's what it is, is in the church, they change it to, if you're saved and you know it, shout amen. Right? Okay. Pull up the lyrics to that song for me, buddy. If you're saved and you know it, say. If you're saved and you know it, say. If you're saved and you know it, then your life should show it. Our three to five-year-olds even understand this, guys. I'm trying to break this down. Does everybody completely understand what James is trying to say here? Because I had a lot of messages in the last couple weeks because y'all thought I was going to preach on this last week, but I got really long-winded on what I preached about, so I didn't quite get to this. And this was the question that I kept receiving. James is contradicting Paul and so forth. So we got to get this point across right off the bat. Now from here, now we can move on. We can understand this. You have to do more, guys, than just believe in Jesus Christ to be saved. You have to show your faith. You have to live your faith. Some of y'all are like, now wait a minute, Micah, that's contradicting what Jesus said in John 3.16 that I was taught when I was five years old at my church. That's not what I'm doing. I want to read the next two verses in James. Let's go to James 2.18. But someone may well argue, you say the way to God is by faith alone plus nothing. Well, I say that good works are important too. For without good works, you can't prove whether you have faith or not. 
But anyone can see that I have faith by the way I act. Verse 19. Are there still some among you who hold that? Only believing is enough. Believing in one God. Well, remember that the demons believe this too so strongly that they tremble in terror. Guys, even the evil one believes in Jesus Christ. He ain't getting to heaven. Y'all understand? So many times, and I hate to, so many times, and I, I know I'm not the only one guilty of this. Churches have been teaching John 3, 16. For God so loved the world, goes on God's Son, whoever believes in him, should not perish, but have everlasting life, right? That's all you got to do. That's it. You're good. You're going to heaven. I want to prove this point. Okay. I'm going to ask, how many of y'all, show of hands, was taught that in your life, that John 3.16 was the way to heaven? Show of hands. More than half the congregation. Let's go read the rest of it. We're going to flip over, get your Bibles, and flip over to John 3.17. We'll give you a little bit of time to get there. Because we do not have this for the screen. Some amens when you get there. Now again, we all know why you're getting there. Y'all keep flipping. But John 3, 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. Whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. That's John 3, 16. Now I'm going to pick it up. It's 17. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Anyone who believes in him is not condemned. But anyone who does not believe is already condemned. Because he has not believed in the name of the one and only son of God. This is the judgment. The light has come into the world. And people loved darkness rather than the light because their deeds were evil. For everyone who does evil hates the light and avoids it so that his deeds may not be exposed. Look at verse 21, guys. Go ahead, Nick. But anyone who lives by the truth comes to the light so that his, what's that word? Oh. May be shown to be accomplished by God. So. This is in red letters. This is Jesus Christ. He's telling you, you got to have works. Paul was never trying to fool anybody by the teachings of you only have to have faith. It is true. You have to have faith. But what is faith? Faith, true faith in God has some works to go with it. You can't just believe and then walk around in life and continue to, 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 to sin over and over in the same direction and have no remorse for it, have no heart check. I'm not saying you can't continue to sin because we all sin, right? The difference is, is the conviction that you feel. If Jesus Christ lives in your heart and you do something wrong, you're going to feel it right here. You're going to know about it. He's going to let you know. 
And the reason why is because you've allowed him into your heart, and he controls you, and he is not going to like it when you do something that's wrong. Are y'all following me here? True faith is always accompanied by results. Let's look at, I'm going to read James 20 through 25. James 2, 20 through 25. Flip back over to James. Senseless person, are you willing to learn that faith without works is useless? Wasn't Abraham our father justified by works in offering Isaac his son on the altar? You see that faith was active together with his works and by works. Faith has made complete. And the scripture was fulfilled that says Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. And he was called God's friend. You see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. In the same way, wasn't Rahab, the prostitute, also justified by works in receiving the messages and sending them, excuse me, receiving the messengers and sending them out a different route? Okay. What I love about James is he's telling you a story about two completely different people. It couldn't get any more different than this, okay? You've got Abraham who... In Genesis, God promises Abraham a legacy. He's going to be a father of many men, many nations, so forth, right? We all know that song, Father Abraham, many sons, many sons have Father Abraham, right? We all know that. And he told him that he would have a son, and this son Isaac was going to be the one that was going to pass on this legacy. Well, then a few chapters later, God tells, he tests, he tests Abraham. He says, I want you to take your son up as a burnt offering. I want you to take him up to the mountain as a burnt offering. Abraham, as obedient as he was, he agreed, but here's, I'm going to get to this. He agreed to do it. And a lot of you would think, man, why would God have him do that? And then on top of that, why in the world would Abraham agree to do it? On the way there, Abraham, it's him, it's Isaac, and it's two servants. And he tells these two servants, he tells one of them, excuse me, he tells one of them, he says, we will be back. In other words, he knew good and well he wasn't going to burn Isaac. He knew he wasn't. Why did he know that? Because God promised him back at the beginning that Isaac was going to be that legacy. Abraham knew. God already promised this to me. He's not going to go back on his promise. Guys, you need to take that home with you today. There's a lot of promises in this book that God gives us. Plan for prosper, right? That's one of the things that my plan is for you to prosper and to do well in life. Listen, that's a promise that he gives you. Now, it may look different for some of us. You know, I have to remind myself of that all the time. When, when business is bad or there's something going on, you know, ministry-wise and it's frustrating me and it's making me mad and all these things are going on and I have to look back and I finally realize it and I look back and I say, yeah, but my kids are healthy. My wife's healthy. We have a roof over our heads. We had not missed a meal. 
my thought of prosperity may be much larger than what God actually has planned in my life, but I still have prosperity. I'm still prospering. Sometimes we need to check ourselves a little bit in that area, right? Am I the only one that does that? Am I the only one that does that? I was about to say, man, y'all, y'all are stout, if that's the case. <laughs> Abraham goes up to the mountain. While he's going, Isaac even asked him, said, Father, what, what's going to be the offering? And Abraham again with his faith said, God will supply the lamb. And most of y'all know this story. You get up there, he's about to strike Isaac, and there's the goat. Abraham had strong faith, but what I need y'all to understand is, is not only did Abraham believe in God, but he also did the works that God asked him to do. Y'all follow me? And then you take, you take Rahab, who was a prostitute in the book of James. You know, the Israelites, they're fixing to go take down Jericho. And they send in two spies to check everything out. And then there's Rahab who sees the two spies, takes them in, and helps them escape. But what I need y'all to see that Rahab said to those two spies was, I know that God is giving y'all this land. Now, how do y'all think she knew that God was giving them that land? Because God told her so. Rahab with the faith that knows good and well that if I help these men escape and I get caught, I'm going to die. But with the faith that she had, she did the works that God asked of her, which was to protect these two spies and get them out safely. Faith produces the works. You can't just have faith. You have to show it. You have to set that example. Again, true faith is always accomplished by results. I want to read James chapter 2, verse 26. This is the last one in this chapter. Just as the body is dead without breath, so also faith is dead without good works. This last verse sums up everything. Just like breath gives our body life, good works keeps the faith, excuse me, keeps our faith alive. Our body still exists, but it serves no purpose without breath. It eventually deteriorates. The same is true of our faith. Our faith may be present for a while, but without works, we cannot fulfill God's purpose for our lives. I want to close with some scripture that proves that it takes more than believing in Jesus Christ to become a true born-again Christian and to really walk in true faith. I want to go to Matthew. Y'all don't have to pull it up. I've got it on the screen. Matthew chapter 7. We're going to read verses 21 through 23. This is Jesus speaking. Not all who sound religious are really godly people. Now, guys, really pay attention to this. I need to know I've got your attention. I want everybody to look at me and raise their hand just so I know i got everybody's attention. Okay, good. Not everyone, excuse me, not all who sound religious are really godly people. There's a lot there's a lot of people that I see leading a church that sound religious, but are they really changed here? 
They may refer to me as Lord, but still won't get to heaven. For the decisive question is whether they obey my Father in heaven. What would we call that? Works. 22. At the judgment, many will tell me, Lord, Lord, we told others about you and used your name to cast out demons and to do many other great miracles. Next verse. But I will reply, you've never been mine. Go away, for your deeds are evil. That kills me every time I read it because I think of so many people in my life that I love that I don't think are there. And they're going to be, they're going to be at that gate and they're going to be screaming. Guys, I don't, that cannot be any of you in this room. I need y'all to know that there's nothing more important for this church than to make sure that each and every person that walks through these doors has reached salvation. There's nothing more important to me than to know that none of y'all are going to be standing outside this gate. If you have the slightest question of it, the slightest, guys, come talk to me. Come talk to the prayer team. Come talk to the elders. Come talk to Bojo. Come talk to Zaire or Mikey. I don't care who you go to, but go talk to somebody. Because I need you to understand, those gates, they're soldered shut. You're not getting in them at that point in time. That's a decision that you have to make beforehand. Maybe y'all don't question that. Maybe you're like me and you don't question it. You know where you're going. You know you're going to get through those gates. But I want you to do what I do, and I want you to think about all the people that you know that you're really not sure about. We've got to get to them. So how do we get to them? You can't force it on them. You can't force a relationship with God on anybody. I'm sorry, you can't do that. And when I see evangelists and, and people on the streets and other pastors and so forth that try to do that, it breaks my heart. Because even if that person says it was forced on them, they really don't truly understand it. That relationship is only between you and God. You have a personal relationship with God. So again, how do we help these people reach that faith? We sit down and we have a conversation with them and we pray, God, open the door. Open the door for me to talk about you to this person. God, give me that opportunity. You see, when you leave it up to God, when that opportunity presents itself, that's God walking in the door ready to prepare that relationship with that person. We need to pray that God softens the hearts of these people. We need to pray that our churches are teaching past John 3.16 and going all the way to verse 21 and through the rest of that Bible. Amen? Grab a pen and paper.
Go ahead, Nick. You must have the root of faith to produce the fruit of faith. True faith will produce that fruit, right? My question to you guys today, this is my question. Nick, do me a favor. Pull up the apple tree. Okay. My question to you guys today, do you want to be that tree? Nick, go to the next one. Do you want to be that tree? Do you want to be a walking, breathing, talking ministry that everybody knows that you're a Christian warrior? Or do you want to be the one that nobody can tell? I was talking to Bojo and Don about this earlier, so I'm going to do this. Guys, I want to show y'all, and, and this has something to do with this sermon because I, I need you to grasp this. Let's say you have a Christian that's, you know, been a, been a believer for 50 years, okay? 50 years. Let's say they're 70 years old, been a believer for 50 years. They've had the same Bible for 50 years. Can I borrow your Bible? Now listen, don't judge me. This is a brand new Bible, okay? <laughs> Which one's a Christian warrior? It's that simple. This man, good Lord, Don. <laughs> what all do you have in here? This is what I need y'all to see. This is the ones outside of the gate. This is the ones in there dancing on the streets with Jesus Christ. Getting your word and study and learn and dig. If you're a believer for 50 years and your Bible doesn't look like this, I question it. You should be hungry all the time. One of Don's quotes that I love more than anything, <laughs> never get full on your last spiritual meal. You got to stay hungry. That's how you can tell who's walking with Jesus and who's not. Who are the ones out there trying to build the kingdom? Who are the ones you can see the fruit? You know, I look at our three elders. I look at Don, I look at Randy, and I look at Kirby, and I look at their children. I look at the men and women they've discipled. That's fruit. There's no questioning those three men. I look at Chris Myatt. I look at Denise Myatt, same way. The people that they've touched in their lives, that's fruit. And it starts in your household, by the way. If you're not producing fruit in your household, guys, especially you fathers, get on your game. Because that's what people are going to look at. And I promise you, that's what, that's what God's looking at. It starts right there.